4.20.199 Monks, I will teach you craving that ensnares, that floats along, that is far flung, that clings to one, by which this world is smothered, enveloped, tangled like a ball of thread, covered as with blight, twisted up like a grass rope, so that it pos- overpasses not the constant round of rebirth, the downfall, the way of war, the ruin. Do you listen carefully, apply your minds, and I will speak. Yes, Lord, replied those monks to the exalted one. The exalted one said this, and of what sort monks is craving that ensnares, etc., etc. There are these eighteen thoughts which are haunted by craving concerning the inner self, and eighteen which are haunted by craving concerning what is external to self. Now what sort are the former? Monks, when there is the thought, I am, there come the thoughts, I am in this world, I am thus, I am otherwise, I am not, I am eternal, I am not eternal. Should I be, should I not, etc., etc. These are the 18 thoughts which are haunted by craving concerning the inner self. And of what sort, monks, are the 18 thoughts which are haunted by craving concerning what is external to self? When there is the thought, by this I am, there come the thoughts, by this I am in the world, by this I am thus, by this I am otherwise, by this I am not eternal, by this I am eternal, by this I should be, etc., etc. Now these are called the 18 thoughts which are haunted by craving concerning what is external to self. Now these these are the 32 thoughts haunted by craving. That means that one concerning what is external to self and concerning the inner self. Thus such 36 thoughts of past, 36 thoughts of future, 36 thoughts of present make up 108 thoughts which are haunted by craving. Verily monks, this is that craving that ensnares, that floats along, that is far flung, that clings to one by which this world is smothered, enveloped, tangled like a ball of thread, etc. That's the end of the sutta. In this sutta, the Buddha is saying, uh, there is the thought, I am. This thought, I am, is always in our mind. When we have the normal consciousness, uh, it is always there. So it is very important uh, if we want to go to the root of our ego uh, to investigate this I am. That's, that's why I mentioned last time in the Sutta concerning the four ways to Arahanthood. One is practicing Samatha first, followed by Vipassana, Vipassana followed by Samatha, then Samatha and Vipassana together. The last one is the investigating the I am, the self. Uh, we come to the understanding of the I am, how it arises, where it arises from. Only then can we get out of samsara. Now we come to four point. 21.201 The Buddha said, Monks, I will teach you the unworthy man and the still more unworthy man. I will teach you the worthy man and the still more worthy man. Do you listen carefully? Apply your minds and I will speak. Yes, Lord, replied those monks to the exalted one. The exalted one said, and of what sort, monks, is the unworthy man? Herein, a certain person is one who takes life, steals, is an adulterer, is a liar, is given to the use of liquor fermented and distilled, causing negligence. This one is called the unworthy man. And of what sort, monks, is the still more unworthy man? Herein, a certain person is one who takes life, steals, etc., and further encourages another to do the same. This one is called the still more unworthy man. And of what sort, monks, is the worthy man? 
Herein a certain one is one who abstains from taking life, from stealing, etc. This one is called the worthy man. And of what sort monks is the still more worthy man? Herein a certain person not only himself abstains from taking life, from stealing, etc., but also encourages another to abstain from doing so. This one is called the still more worthy man. That's the end of the sutta. In this sutta, the Buddha is saying that a person who breaks the five precepts eh, is an unworthy person who kills, steals, commits adultery, lies, uh, takes uh, fermented liquor. And he's even worse eh, if he encourages another to do so. And uh, likewise with the worthy man. Now, later on, we'll come across another sutta for point 261 to 267 where the Buddha says if a person does evil and on top of that he encourages others to do evil and furthermore approves of doing evil and even praises the doing of evil then that person can go to the woeful plains and even hell. So uh, if we do good and we encourage others to do good, uh, then we get still more merit. Whereas if we do evil and encourage others to do evil, uh, then our demerit uh, or our evil uh, is multiplied. Sutta 4.24.232 The Buddha said, Monks, these four deeds I have myself comprehended, realized, and made known. What for? There is a dark deed with a dark result, a bright deed with a bright result, a deed that is both dark and bright with a dark and bright result, and the deed that is neither dark nor bright with a result neither dark nor bright, which being itself a deed that conduces to the waning of deeds. These are the four deeds I have myself comprehended, realized, and made known. Now, before I continue, I'll just stop a while to comment. Eh? This word deed eh, is uh, a translation of the word karma, and it also can be translated as action. And uh, the Buddha said that karma is intention. In other words, if we do any action through the three uh, ways of a body, speech, and mind, and we do it with intention, that is karma. And anything that you do with intention, you have to bear the result. If you do karma, intentional deed, nah, that benefits others, you will reap the result of being happy in future. Whereas if you do the karma, the deed of uh, harming other beings, you will result, uh, that would result in uh, unhappiness for you or suffering. And the, and the Buddha continued, And of what sort, monks, is the deed that is dark with a dark result? In this case, monks, a certain one wills bodily action connected with harm, wills verbal action connected with harm, wills mental action connected with harm. He thus willing harmful action of body, speech, and mind is born into a world that is harmful. Thus born into a harmful world, harmful contacts touch him. Thus touched by harmful contacts, he feels feeling that is harmful, that is sheer pain, just as beings 
as just as do just as do beings in hell this monks is called the dark deed with a dark result and of what sort monks is the bright deed with the bright result in this case a certain one wills bodily action verbal action and mental action that is not connected with harm so willing he is reborn into a world that is not harmful so born into a harmless world harmless contacts touch him he thus he thus touched by harmless contacts experiences feeling that is harmless utter bliss as do the ever radiant devas this monks is called the bright deed with a bright result and of what sort monks is the deed that is both dark and bright with a result that is both dark and bright in this case a certain one wills action of body speech and mind that is connected with harm and harmlessness he is born into a world that is both harmful and harmless touched by contacts both harmful and harmless he experiences feeling that is both harmful and harmless a mixture of pleasure and pain such as for instance some humans some devas and some dwellers in hell feel this monks is called the deed that is both dark and bright with a result that is both dark and bright and of what sort monks is the deed that is neither dark nor bright with a result that is similar which itself a deed conduces to the waning of deeds in this case monks the intention to abandon this dark deed with its dark result the intention also to abandon this bright deed with its bright result the intention to ab- to abandon this deed that is both dark and bright with a like result this intention is called the deed that conduces to the waning of deeds these four deeds monks i have myself comprehended realized and made known so that's the end of the sutta so here in this sutta you find uh, because of our actions uh, we get the corresponding result so we are born into a world uh, that um, is a resultant of our actions uh. if a person does evil mostly evil actions uh, harmful actions uh, he is born into a world uh, where the result is mainly uh, painful feelings for him for example in hell uh, hell uh, uh, that's the worst place we can be reborn and that's a lot of suffering there not only physical suffering but mental suffering also as can be seen from a description of hell in some of the suttas and then if a person does a bright deed a bright karma then the resultant is a bright resultant as a person who is born into the ever radiant deva realm this ever radiant deva realm this heavenly realm is called the subakina devas and it is a third jhana plane where life is all bliss and no pain so that is a advantage of uh, abiding in jhana in the third jhana because when a person abides in jhana he does not do any evil uh, he has no chance to think of any evil and uh, when he's born into that plane uh, um which is a uh, very difficult uh, for beings to very few beings can go there because very few beings can attain jhana and that is a very uh, blissful place to go to uh. but most people do a deed that is both dark and bright 
a mixture of good and evil. Most people, if you look around us, uh, are both good and evil. So uh, they are reborn into this uh, world uh, that is a mixture of pleasure and pain. For example, human beings, we know uh, that uh, we sometimes we enjoy life, sometimes we get sick, uh, some, and then we grow old. And uh, so it's... Uh, also for the lower devas, lower uh, celestial beings, uh, lower heavenly beings, uh, they are also uh, the world is also a mixture of pleasure and pain. Uh, there's even uh, also killing uh, in the lower heavenly realms. Uh, the, for example, the nagas, the snake spirits, uh, uh, they kill. And then the garudas, huge uh, birds, uh, but because they are in the heavenly realm, uh, they have psychic power. They can attain their, they can have their natural body, animal body, or they can change it into a human being uh, as they like. And then uh, it's also mentioned here, uh, some dwellers in hell. This might be King Yama, because every uh, hell uh, there is a lord, uh, like a sultan uh, or a sultan. Uh, uh, who controls a place and his is a mixture of pleasure and pain also. Uh, so, and the last one is the, the intention to abandon uh, karma. If we uh, cultivate the holy path, huh, then we try not to um, do good or do evil. We just cultivate our mind huh, to get out of this round of rebirths. So uh, that is why uh, for a monk, for example, a monk uh, who, who practices, cultivates, uh, he's not uh, interested uh, to uh, do good deeds uh, like um, making offerings, charity, etc. Of course, uh, much less uh, evil. Uh, he, he shouldn't do any evil. So uh, that is um, the deed, uh, that the intention uh, to abandon karma is the deed uh, that uh, conduces to the waning of deeds. 4.25.244 The Buddha said, Monks, there are these four postures. What for? The posture of ghosts, petas, uh, that of the luxurious, that of the lion, and the posture of the Tathagata or Buddha. And of what sort, monks, is the posture of ghosts? Generally, ghosts lie flat on their backs. This is called the ghost posture. And of what sort, monks, is the posture of the luxurious? Generally, the luxurious lie on the left side. This is called the luxurious posture. And of what sort, monks, is the posture of the lion? The lion monks, the king of beasts, takes up a posture on his right side, laying foot on foot and folding his tail between his thighs. On waking, he straightens out the fore part of the body and looks round to the hinder part. Then monks, if the lion, king of beasts, sees any part of his body displaced or disarranged, thereupon monks, the lion, king of beasts, is displeased. But if the lion, king of beasts, sees no part of his body displaced or disarranged, then he is pleased. This monks is called the lion posture. And of what sort, monks, is the Tathagata posture? In this case, monks, a monk, aloof from sense desires, aloof from unwholesome conditions, enters on and abides in the first jhana, 
then the second, third, and the fourth jhana. This is called the Tathagata posture. So there are these four postures. Uh, that's the end of the sutta. Here the Buddha is talking about posture, meaning the uh, sort of uh, position we take uh, when we take a wrestler. And then uh, the Buddha said, said that ghosts lie on their backs. So I'm sure many of us uh, uh, must have been born uh, ghosts before because we lie on our backs. <laughs> and uh, the lying on the left side is the luxurious posture, we lie on the left side. But that is not recommended by the Buddha. The Buddha recommends that we take up the lion posture, lie, uh, sleeping sideways on our right side. And uh, if you try it between the left and the right side, you find that the right side generally is more comfortable. Maybe because when we lie on the left side, uh, we put some pressure on our heart, you know, because our heart is slightly to the left of our body. And uh, the Buddha sees that the Buddha posture is instead of any particular body position, the Buddha always enters the jhanas, the first, second, third, and the fourth jhana. And if you look through the suttas, uh, you investigate the suttas, you find that the Buddha's arahan disciples very often spend their days abiding in jhana. The Buddha encouraged them to spend their days uh, abiding in jhana. He never said that they were wasting their time. He never said that they were blissing out. And you find the suttas sometimes, uh, like Sariputta, certain suttas, uh, 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 sometimes uh, it is said that on certain days he abides in the first jhana, certain days he abides in the second jhana, certain days third and the fourth jhana, etc. And... Uh, that is because the Buddha encouraged them to constantly abide in jhana and attain very strong concentration because the Buddha said uh, the condition for wisdom uh, is a mind that is bright. And if we abide in jhana, real jhana, then the, 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 the mind is bright. And uh, when the mind is bright, uh, all the hindrances, hindrances are, are abandoned. Uh, so, uh, according to our Vinaya, the Arahants are mindful 24 hours a day, even when they uh, go to sleep, even when they take a rest, they are mindful. And uh, this is hard for us to understand how a person can be asleep and still know that he is asleep. And uh, the way to that also, of course, is through the jhanas, because uh, when the mind is so strong, then only uh, it is mindful. So uh, we have to remember uh, that the Buddha always encourages us to abide in jhana. Then the next sutta is 4.25.245. The Buddha said, Monks, these four are worthy of a stupa. What four? A tathagata. Arahant, a fully enlightened one, is worthy of a stupa, a Pacheka Buddha, a Tathagata's disciple, and a Raja who rolls the wheel are worthy of a stupa. These are the four. That's the end of the sutta. So here, what do you mean worthy of a stupa? The Buddha said that uh, if a person is worthy of a stupa, when he passes away eh, and the uh, corpse is cremated, 
Then you take the ashes uh, from after the cremation and you put them into a stupa and you venerate the ashes, you pay respect to the ashes. And who are these four people who are worthy of being venerated? The first one is a Samasambuddha, like our Buddha, one who is enlightened and teaches the Dhamma, sets rolling the Dhamma wheel. Second one is a Pacheka Buddha. Pacheka Buddha, you find, uh, is also worthy of veneration, although some later books uh, say that the Pacheka Buddha is selfish, etc. This is not what the Buddha says, uh, because um, here you find uh, Bud- Pacheka Buddha is also worthy of veneration, because teaching uh, is not only by words. Uh, actions, as they say, actions speak louder than words. So if a person like a Pacheka Buddha sets a very good example as a very holy man, uh, It impresses a lot of people. That itself uh, is a teaching to many people. Third one is a Tathagata's disciple, meaning a Savaka. Savaka here implies the uh, eight Aryans, the eight types of Aryans, the four uh, fruits and the four path attainers. And you'll find later in the suttas uh, that the Buddha talks about these Aryas as eight persons, not as four persons, eight types of persons. And all of them are worthy of veneration. And then uh, the last one is uh, a wheel-turning king. A wheel-turning king is one who is so uh, so so good, uh, so virtuous, uh, and he rules uh, with Dhamma as his guide, uh, so that the whole world uh, wants him to be the king. Uh, so he looks, he he. he he is um, a person with a lot of uh, what they call uh, blessings, paramis. Uh, uh, uh. You notice here in our Theravada suttas, these earlier suttas, there's no mention of bodhisattva or bodhisatta, uh, which are found uh, in the Mahayana books. The Mahayana books talk a lot about the bodhisattvas or bodhisattvas, whereas in our Theravada books, uh, they are not even mentioned here as being worthy of... Uh, veneration uh, in a stupa because in the Tata, in the Theravada teachings a bodhisattva or a bodhisattva is just an enlight, un, uh, unenlightened being uh, one who is not yet enlightened one who is not yet an arahan or a buddha is just walking the path to become uh, to become enlightened so like all of us uh, can be considered bodhisattvas because we are on the path learning the Dhamma, trying to get out of samsara, trying to end the round of rebirths uh, that is uh, giving us much pain. So we come to the next sutta, 4.25.246. The Buddha said, Monks, these four states conduce to growth in wisdom. What for? Association with a true man. Hearing sad dhamma or true dhamma. Thorough consideration or proper consideration. And behavior in accordance with dhamma. These are the four. Monks, these four states are of great service to one who has become human. What for? Association with a true man. Hearing the true dhamma. Thorough consideration and behavior in accordance with dhamma. These are the four. That's the end of the sutta. So here you can he- uh, hear the Buddha saying uh, that these four things will bring us wisdom and also they will be a great service to human beings. Uh, the first one is to associate with a true man, one who knows the Dhamma, one who knows the true Dhamma, 
and can guide you along you know, the path of the true Dhamma. The second one is hearing the true Dhamma. The true Dhamma here meaning the discourses of the Buddha, the original discourses of the Buddha huh, in our four Nikayas. Third one is thorough consideration or proper consideration. When we hear, we have to consider properly. But this uh, thorough consideration or proper consideration um, is possible if you have a very clear mind. If you have samadhi, if you have a, uh, some uh, strength of mind, your mind is not too scattered. Huh? Then only you have this uh, yoniso manasikara, proper consideration. And in this case, uh, meditation helps a lot. Meditation helps us to control our mind, to strengthen our mind, so that we can consider uh, right to the source of the problem. Yoniso Manasikara means considering the problem up to the source. Uh, and the last one is behavior in accordance with Dhamma. Uh, this one is very important. Whatever we learn in the Dhamma, we must behave in accordance with the Dhamma. There's no point to hear Dhamma, let it go in one ear and go out the other ear. And then it's of no benefit to us. We must put it into practice. So these four things should remember are very important. First one, association with the true man. Second one, hearing the true Dhamma. Third one, proper consideration or thorough consideration. Fourth one, behavior in accordance with Dhamma. 4.26.255 The Buddha said, Whatsoever families, monks, having attained greatness of possessions, fail to last long, all of them do so because of these four reasons, or one or other of them. What for? They seek not for what is lost. They repair not the decay. They eat and drink to excess. They put in authority a woman or a man that is immoral. Whatsoever families, having attained greatness of possessions, fail to last long, all of them do so because of these four reasons, or one or other of them. Whatsoever families, monks, having attained greatness of possessions, do last long, all of them do so because of these four reasons, or one or other of them. What for? They seek for what is lost, repair the decay, eat and drink in moderation, and put in authority a virtuous woman or man. Whatsoever families, having attained greatness of possessions, do last long, all of them do so because of these four reasons. That's the end of the sutta. So the Buddha here is saying uh, that uh, if we want the family riches uh, to last from generation to generation, these four things you must bear in mind. One is not to be frivolous, uh, to seek for what is lost, to be careful. Uh, what is lost, you don't just forget about it. You take the trouble to look for it. Uh. The second one, you repair the decay, not being a spendthrift or wasteful, uh. What can be still used, you repair it. The third one, eat and drink in moderation. That means you enjoy in moderation. And the fourth one, you put into authority eh, somebody with sila, somebody with precepts, with moral conduct. You put somebody in authority without sila, without precepts. Eh, she, he or she eh, will swindle all the money eh, and uh, you'll find all the money gone. So these are the four ways eh, to preserve the wealth in the family. Eh. Now the next sutta is 
2.5.9, the Buddha said, Monks, if he possess four qualities, a monk is not fit to resort to lonely spots and solitary lodging in a forest. What for? Sensual thoughts, malicious thoughts, harmful thoughts, of he or if he be weak in wisdom, dull-witted, a fool. These are the four. Monks, if he possess four qualities, a monk is fit to resort to lonely spots and solitary lodging in a forest. What for? Thoughts of renunciation, thoughts not malicious, harmless thoughts. Or if he be wise, not dull-witted, not a fool. These are the four. That's the end of the sutta. Here the Buddha is talking about a forest monk. Not everybody can stay alone in the forest or in a cave, etc. Uh, firstly, you need courage because uh, those places that you go and stay alone uh, are dark places, especially like caves. Uh, there might be a lot of snakes and uh, might be ghosts around that might disturb you at night. And... Uh, so the first thing you need is courage. Second thing you need is a lot of metta, a lot of uh, loving kindness. Without loving kindness, uh, you stay alone. Uh, some of these beings would come and disturb you. Third one you need uh, is uh, a, a very pure moral conduct because uh, when you stay alone in the dark, uh, and sometimes in the, you stay in the forest, uh, like in Thailand, there are certain forests, if you stay uh, at night, uh, you can hear the animals calling at night. And when you stay alone in the forest, uh, you'll be very observant of the moon. That's why in the olden days, uh, they used to observe the lunar calendar. Because uh, on the new moon days, uh, when there's no moon, then it's very dark on those nights. And uh, when the animals call and all that, uh, you feel a bit nervous. So having a very pure sila gives you a lot of confidence. You know that you are sincere, you know that you have pure morality, yeah? that gives you a lot of confidence. And um, also you need a lot of discipline. If you don't have discipline and you stay alone, uh, you tend to sleep a lot and waste your time. Whereas if you are disciplined, uh, then you can make a lot of progress uh, by staying alone. That's why the Buddha encourages monks to stay uh, alone. And then if a monk here, the Buddha talks about a few other things uh, like sensual thoughts. Uh, if you have sensual thoughts to disturb you, you can't make much progress. If you have malicious or angry thoughts, uh, also uh, they can disturb you a lot, harmful thoughts. Or if that person is, is weak in wisdom, then he can't make much progress. 4.27.261, the Buddha said, Monks, one possessing four qualities is put into hell accordingly as he deserves. What for? He himself takes life and encourages another to do so, approves of taking life and speaks in praise thereof. Possessing these four qualities, one is put into hell accordingly as he deserves. Monks, possessing four qualities, one is put into heaven accordingly as he deserves. What for? He himself abstains from taking life, encourages another to such abstinence, approves, and speaks in praise thereof. These are the four. So, the next sutta is similar to this, huh, but it concerns uh, stealing. 
267 they are all concerned with the precepts um, then after uh, stealing is uh, uh, committing committing adultery then after that lying then after that slandering after that engaging in core speech and the last one engaging in idle gossip so in these uh, few suttas the buddha said uh, if we do these wrong things uh, and on top of that we encourage others to do them and furthermore approve of others doing them and the last one is speaking in praise of doing these uh, evil karmas then that person is definitely put into hell accordingly as he deserves whereas another person if he abstains from all these wrong actions uh, and then encourages others to such abstinence uh, and then approves of such abstinence and speaks in praise uh, lords the 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 abstinence from evil karma then that person uh, would go to heaven uh, as he deserves uh. so we have to bear in mind these these few things uh.